This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. Go to our foundational scripture, which is in John chapter 17. Amen. And I think we're in our fifth lesson of this particular teaching. And God is teaching us how we are to occupy until he comes. How we are to exist in this dispensation of time. In this span of time in which we live. And I told you in previous teaching that God has always, in the Old Testament, New Testament, always provided a way for his man, his woman, to be able to operate in whatever dispensation that they're in. Amen. And I, it's, so it's incumbent upon me as a pastor of this church, it's incumbent on me and my responsibility to make sure that every member of this church is taught well pertaining to how they are to live in this span of time that they're in. Amen. Because you're in my, under my watch and, and right now at, at this particular time, I must make sure that you understand this truth. Amen. And then we, in John chapter 17, we hear, see Jesus praying to the Father. And he was, he was telling the Father that he was, uh, he had glorified him in the, in the earth and was telling him the different things and telling the apostles, he was praying for the apostles. He wasn't only praying for the apostles, he was praying for us and we weren't even on the planet. We weren't even on the planet and he was praying for us. Amen. And so, and he was telling us how, in this, he's telling us how we can have joy in the midst. You know, just reading it gives me joy to let me know, Father, you was concerned about me ever before I came to the planet. So beginning at verse 15, it reads, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And here we see Jesus talking to the Father. And he said, I kept those who believed. I protected them from the evil of this world. Amen. And so we must realize this one thing, that God has called us in, uh, called us in to the body of Christ to send us out. We're not sitting here just to fellowship with each other. We have times where we fellowship with each other, but when it comes to walking in the Word and doing what God has called us to, God has called us in to send us out. Send us out. Amen? And then my intentions of this whole teaching is to protect us from 
the evil. Amen. To protect us from the evil. And let me tell you, and when I said that, I told you in previous teachings, when I say protect us from the evil, I said the things that are in this world that damage your character hurtful things, the malicious intent of the enemy, the malicious intent of the grievous things that grieve God. We want to know, Father, we want to be protected from these. Now, and this teaching will give you those tools and those things that you need to do in order to protect yourself from those as you walk in the Word of God. Amen. It's so important. And it's so very important that we understand that the enemy always have a malicious intent for us. And because he has a malicious intent for us, then we need to understand what we, we need to, we need to understand and know how to see it when it's there. Because it's not going to be obvious. Amen. You know, it's easy in this day and time, in this span of time that we're in, it's easy, it's very easy for us to have a life and do things that damage our character. It's very easy to do. And we know we're living in a time now that actions that we do, it, they just don't go away. It used to be a time that they did, but now we got everything. You, I mean, everything is saved. Nothing's deleted. It's saved on, uh, uh, it's saved on capsules. It's saved in the cloud. It's saved everywhere. So it's not so easy to get away from things that you do and choices that you make that damage your character because it's saved. You know what? And this is the thing about it. You can damage your character in such a way that, uh, you could, it can, it can stay with you throughout your life. Throughout your life. We, again, we're living in a time that, I'm, I'm telling you, everything is kept now. Everything is recorded now. Let me tell you, nothing can even happen now where, I mean, any incident happened, all you see people do is with their cameras because they're saving it. They're saving it. That's how they found out a lot of things just because of those types of things. They, I'm the recorded things. See, they just don't go away. Amen. Pictures, captured, cell phones, thumb drives, all of those types of things. Amen. And we're in a time now that this teaching is very critical for us. Very, very critical. And for, and for all of those. And you young adults and teenagers and young people, because you literally make different decisions right now in your young life. Note this, that the world can cause you to make one decision, just one that will really alter the course of your life for the rest of your life. So be slow. Don't just jump into things. Let me tell you, people jump into the wrong jobs, and it affects them their whole life. They jump into the wrong marriages. affects your whole life. You, I mean, just every, you, you have to, especially you young adults, don't one decision. It don't take a whole bunch. One will alter your life for the rest of your life. Are you with me? And in some cases, you never really get the opportunity to live beyond it or get past it. It's affected. Why? Because we're living in a time where the world is not only damaging our character, but it's all, it, it can hold permanent record. It'll hold permanent record that to the date 
when you made that wrong choice and damaged your life. And then so we went, we, we, we went on forward and we started giving definitions. I'm, I'm not going to stay long on reviewing because we did some teaching on, on all of it and we want to get to where we need to. But we gave a definition. You know, I want to de- give a definition because we're in a time, and a perilous time now in the world, in the whole world. And so it's imperative that we know how to exist at this time. And so I'm looking for different definitions and different things. Biblically, I don't want, I don't want any of the world's definitions. I want, because I want us to see it for what it is. You know, we have our own language in our kingdom. Are you following me? And so these are different definitions from a biblical perspective. But nevertheless, whenever you, from this point on, those that belong to this church, when you're reading in the Bible and you see the word world, now all the definitions that I'm giving you, those are, one of those is it. So you go back in your study or you go back and you say, you know, oh, I see this says world. Go back and look at the definitions and you'll see how clear your study will come and say, oh, yeah, that's what God is saying. God always gives us the easy thing. And so we said that the world is the whole of creation, created and ordered by God and defiled by man. Make sure you understand that it has been defiled by man. The whole of creation, not some, the whole of creation, created by God, ordered by God, but defiled by man. Are you with me? Now, the world is not ordering itself. I want you to know that. Because we, um, even Christians, we, for some reason, we think like the world has ordered itself. Nope, it's ordered by God. And and I know some of, some people think that the world is evolving. No, it didn't order itself. The world was ordered by God, defiled by man. Are you following me? So don't think, and please don't think that you can go out and create your life by yourself. It's been ordered. It's been ordered. Amen. See, a lot of times we want to go out and do different things that's different from what the Scripture says, different from what God is saying. And you're going to put yourself in trouble because you get outside of the things of God when you do those things. Amen. Stay focused on what God is saying. Amen. Secondly, we said that the Word of God, that the word world is an ungodly multitude alienated from God. And we learned that God loves the world and Jesus died for the world. We have to understand that. We, I mean, let me, we cannot as a people write off the world. Jesus died for the world. And we can't write it off because we were once, if we was once a part of that community. We were once a part of the world when Jesus saved us. So now we can't say, now I'm saved. I don't know if these other people are ever going to get saved. I don't know how they're going to do it. I, you know what? I don't even know. They won't even listen anymore. No, I'm going to fix that for you today. I'm going to fix that for you. Amen. So we can't get them in that mentality that God only loves us, but he also loves the world. He started that from the beginning. Amen. And so we have to understand that then, then we begin to work on this, this, this word for world. That is the temple things. 
and worldly affairs. Temporal things. It's the whole of temporal things and worldly affairs. In other words, every temporal thing and every worldly affair is in the world. Not necessarily evil, but it's in the world. Amen? We said that the worldly affairs and temporal things are a result of humans' doings, human activities, just things that we do. And that's all a part of the worldly things. Amen? We have to remember this most of all. That temporal affairs and worldly things are exactly that. They're temporary. They're uncertain. Are you following me? They're hollow. They're fleeting. They won't last. I'm telling you, we have looked over time and time again. We can look over history and see things that we thought would last forever. That's gone now. Because it's temporary. You think on, you think on stores. I could remember a time, I may, maybe date myself, some of you say, well, I never will, whatever. But listen, there was a time that everybody thought Sears and Roebuck was it. You could get anything you wanted, Sears and Roebuck. You went from clothes to appliances. If you wanted to get it, you go to Sears and Roebuck. They're not even here today. And you never even thought they, of course, they would never go down because they have everything. They was equivalent to logging on Amazon. They had everything. And so everything. But where are they today? They don't exist anymore. Because why? It's temporal. It's temporal. Every time someone say, oh, that'll never go down. Yes. I remember they used to say that about IBM. I don't even know if they even make computers anymore. There'll never be no other computer. IBM computers is it. That was it. Everybody in the world had an IBM computer. Nobody could even compete with them. Now, IBM still exists, but I don't think their computer line do. I, I don't know, but I don't know, I don't know too many people that have one if they do. But it's temporal. It's temporal. Don't get so caught up in what you have and where you are and what job you own. It's temporal. And it's subject to change. It is hollow. And it's fleeting. There's no promise to that. You know, we get excited about temporal things. We can get excited about an outfit. But guess how long you're excited? You're excited for the time you get it. Once you get it, it loses its value. An outfit you get for the first time, yes, I love that, yes, that. After you've worn it twice, it's just an outfit. It ain't even exciting anymore. Because it's temporal. Are you following me? I want us to get this, because we can get so caught up in temporal things. And we want to blame the devil on everything. No, the devil ain't doing this, that, and Oh, I can't believe the devil is a liar. My car stopped on 35. Listen, listen. A sinner, a sinner's car stopped on 35 too. It's temporal. Your car is temporal. We get so caught up in those things. Amen. And understand this. You have your free will. You can choose but you cannot choose the outcome or the consequence. The outcome comes from God. It's been framed. It's been framed. Amen. And so, listen, as long, until, once you own anything, 
New don't last new long. Whatever it is. Even babies, they smell good when they first come here and they just so near. Have you under, have you seen new don't last new long? All of a sudden they don't smell so sweet no more. I'm like, my God used to change the pamper before they can wet. Now they're walking around the pampers almost to the floor. You'd be like, oh, you can wear it a little longer. Because new don't last new long. Oh, amen and amen. And then the next definition is what we kind of was dealing with on last week. We said that the world is all that is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. We simply put it, it was the world system. The world system. The world system is hostile rebellious and opposed to God. Amen. The world system is influenced by the adversary. You have to always, everybody say always, remember you have an adversary. While you are gloating in this, that, and the other, always remember, but I have an adversary. And he's the devil. I have an adversary. And guess what? He's just like God in the sense he never sleeps. When you sleep, he's still, he's still plotting maliciously against you. He don't sleep or slumber. He stays at work. He's committed to his cause. But we have to understand this. The adversary does influence man who's running the world. That's how the world got defiled. Now go with me, if you will, to Second Corinthians, and we're going to start our new information because I don't Second Corinthians chapter four. I don't want to linger too long on those things. I want because we've talked about that extensively, and I want us to understand some things. Now listen, as Christians, what the first thing we need to do is we need to stop singing about the devil. We should not be singing about the, you know, you know, you're not under the influence of the devil. Now, the only reason why you would sing about him is because you're under his influence. He doesn't have that kind of influence. The devil is not busy in your life unless you're under his influence. He's not. A lot of things that's happening most of the things that people are blaming the devil for is, is, is just life. Just things that happen in life. That's the devil. No, it's just life. It's just life. Amen? So we have to understand that. Temporal things are frail. Don't get caught up. You know, I think about uh, uh, people that get all excited about their cars and this, that, and other, and get all frustrated when when things happen to them. Listen, that's why they ask you to, they give you a warranty. And guess what? And they make the warranty just so it's enough, just before it falls apart. We give you a three-year warranty, a 36,000 mile deal, and the 37,000 mile is when it cracked down. And this is what you say. Oh, man, the, the warranty just went out. They knew it. 
It was made just for that. That's why they give you an extended warranty and it goes out. They know exactly what to do. So don't get excited when they tell you about the warranty. They give you the warranty just a month or two before they say it should be start falling apart right about now. Are you with me? Want you to get this because all of this is this system. It has a malicious way to get you all caught up and draw you away from God. Are you following me? You have to know this and you have to understand this. The world never means you any good. Know that. The world never means you as a believer any good. You need to know that. So stop getting excited about whatever the world is doing because the world does not mean you any good. It's not there to. The world system wants to do you harm and draw you away from God. That's its main, that's the devil's, your adversary's main intent. I got to do something to draw them away from God. Whatever it may be. And guess what? He plays on your lust. And he knows it. Because remember, you was once a part of that congregation. And he knows that it just doesn't go away with you just saying, I love God. Are you with me? The adversary desires to keep mankind in an ungodly state. The adversary desires to keep the man in a state that is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. Now, this is what you need to understand about the adversary. He is subtle. He's very subtle. It's not going to be obvious. He's very subtle. So, the way he wants to keep us in a place that's hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God is to keep us thinking that we are not hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. See, i got to make them think that they're not. And one of his biggest ways of making you think you're not is to sit you in a church building. He said, now that's an easy peasy. Like, like little Isaiah said, easy peasy. Right there. He sit him in a church building. And I'm right with God. I came to church. That's one of the ways. That's an easy peasy for him. Amen. Then now, the way that the adversary keeps us in this system is simply by convincing us that we're good. And God said, what did I tell you in my word? There's none good. No, not one. But the world make you think you are good. And because I think I'm good, I also think that I'm good with God. I'm okay. So i got to be okay with God. i got to be okay with God. So I think I'm good and good with God. And guess what? I'll stay in the state of being hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God when you think that way. Because what? My mind, in my mind, nobody can tell me that I'm not good. Because, see, I'm not doing what most people do, so I'm good. I've never murdered anybody. I'm good. Listen, 
also doesn't mean that the world system is cursing God, just cursing God, just out. Rebellious. Re- listen, rebellious that, rebellion doesn't mean that you're open rebellious. See, I don't want you to think you're going to just see it. Because it's subtle. The adversary is subtle. Just like he was with Adam and Eve. He didn't tell Adam and Eve all you need to do all you need to do is just deny God and curse him. No. He subtly got in there. Very subtle. He said, Oh, you know what? Go on and take you can take of this. You won't surely die. No. The thing is, you're gonna be like him. You know you love him, so yeah, that's all that's gonna happen. You're not gonna watch me. I'll bite. I'll get some. Just come on and eat with me. See, it's going to be subtle. It's not gonna be boom in your face. But notice with Adam and Eve, notice what the adversary didn't do. He never mentioned one thing about the relationship. See, he didn't mention the relationship they had with God. That was key. See, that's why you don't let the, talk, the devil give a bunch of talking. See, you forgot. See, so Adam should have stood up and said, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've been having a relationship with God. But see, you keep letting him talk. You forget about your benefit. You forget about your authority. You forget about your righteousness. You forget about everything. Because you're listening to that. He never mentioned the relationship. God just doesn't want you to know this. But you can know this. Come on. That's all that's going to happen. Now you know he's a loving God. Now see, a lot of times we act like the adversary don't know all about God. He does. And you know, the Bible even tells you if they put everything that was said, the book wouldn't be able to hold it. It's like they read between the lines. I can't just say everything he said verbatim. The book couldn't hold every little thing. You ought to know. They had time to bring up the relationship. The adversary surely wasn't. And Adam didn't either. Are you with me? So are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1? It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. That's a mouthful right there. And that's teachable right there. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In other words, the adversary is intentionally working to keep the people in darkness. I have to keep them in darkness. 
I got to keep them blinded in a blinded state. Because if they ever see the light of the gospel, they will be able to see where they are. They'll be able to see themselves if they could just see if the light come in. So my whole thing is keep them in darkness. Keep them blinded. So they can't see themselves and who they really are. And the only way the light of the gospel can shine into those that are blinded, it has to shine from someone who has it. In other words, light has to be present where darkness is to expel the darkness. So, is there light in you? There has to be a darkness, I mean a light to go and expel the darkness. And that's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your light is His light. It is the light of the gospel residing on the inside of you. You have to let it shine. Don't let it be dim. It needs to be set on a hill. People need to know there's a light when he steps in the room. There's a light when she steps in the room. And let me tell you, you don't have to be a minister to have that light. You just need to be righteous. God is saying, don't hide what I have put in you. See, the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, don't hide it. He put it in you for a purpose. So that you could see and so that he can be glorified. That's why the light is there. So that you can see and he can be glorified. Because the light is going to always show you you as well. It expels the darkness. The light will show you when darkness is trying to come in. Are you with me? We don't want to hide what God has put in us. Because if you do and you don't, you're going to remain in darkness. They'll remain in darkness. It resides on the inside of you. Don't hide it. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds to those and they need to see light. And see, the church has done a, a disservice to those in darkness. And the Bible even tells us the people of, the people of darkness is, is wiser than the people of light. They won't even fall for a lot of the foolishness that believers fall for. That's a powerful statement. And if you think back, just think back before you knew the Lord. Your mind, you, you let me tell you, your mind was blinded. It was blinded. But guess what? In the midst of us being blind, we still thought we were good people. I'm, not that, I'm good. I mean, you know what? By a show of hands, in here and where you are at home. Before you knew the Lord, did you think you were a good person? Because I did. I thought I was good. I mean, I'm, I didn't do what I thought most people did, so I was good. I've never been to jail. 
I did. For the most part, we all thought we were good. I'm a, and, you, and let me tell you, and people even say, I'm a pretty good person. I might not be perfect, but I'm not so bad. You know, we, 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 we filter ourselves with that. There's worse people than me. And by the way, I'm doing good things in my life. I'm going to college. I got a good job now. I'm good. That person didn't even go to college. I'm good. Blinded. I'm talking about like this is the way you talk when you are in darkness. But then when the gospel shined in our lives, <laughs> we saw we were not as good as we thought. You're like, oh my God. We found out that things were not as well with us. We found out that something is really wrong with my life. I thought I was good until I started hearing the gospel and what God called good, I began to see I wasn't so good. And everybody didn't do the same thing, but whatever you did, whatever you did, you were in darkness. You know, people like to pretend like they've been holy forever. No, you've been you in darkness. And for the most part, and especially, everybody says especially, those that have been in Christ for a long, long time and they grew up in the church or anything like that, you were in so much bondage in the church. Especially if you wasn't taught well. You just went to church. You went to church and then you left out sinning. Just like Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, holiness, whatever, it didn't matter. When you walked out of there, whatever they told you don't do, you did. Because see, we act like the holiness church is the only one said don't do that. No, Baptist church did. Everybody told you, told you what you didn't do. But we walked out and did what we wanted to do. And we thought we were good because we went to church. They don't go to church. Everybody say blinded. Just blinded. <sighs> but when someone brought us the light, look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But now we need to understand this in context. We have to understand this in context. I love this scripture. You know, about, and you know, and everybody loved this scripture when it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That They love just that. 
because I got this treasure in the earthen vessel right here where I am. But you have to understand that in context. We have this treasure. So that those of us who God have, you know, that God has uh, uh, brought out of this world, and the ones that were in the world that was blinded, he said, now you can see. I'm going to give you the word to bring you out so you can see what's on the inside. Let me tell you, I hated to see what was on the inside of me. I thought I was a good person. And God said, but I was trying to show you the excellency of the power of God is not of you. It's not of you. <laughs> Listen, understand this. You did not get saved so that you would never have be in trouble. <laughs> you, will, you were not. You were not. You're not saved that you would never be perplexed. You didn't get saved for that. You did not get saved so that you would never be persecuted. You did not get saved so you'd never be cast down. And I want you to know, I don't care how much you confess, decree, and declare, you're going to face those things. Being perplexed, being cast down, all of those things, being persecuted, it comes with it. You can pray till you blew in the face. God, don't let... No, it's coming. If it haven't already, it's coming. Why? We live in a world that has been defiled by man. And God is saying, because you know it's coming, I'm going to show you how to live through it. But it's coming. The Bible says all those, all those, everybody say all those, who live godly, shall, not maybe they will, if somebody just happened to run in and they, he said, no, no, all, all in every language is all, that live godly, shall suffer persecution. Now, because we don't hold it in our minds and in our hearts, why God redeemed us. See, we don't, we, 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 hold, we act like God redeemed us so we never have to suffer from anything. We never have to go through anything. No, we have to hold in our mind, these things are sure to happen. Because I'm going to live godly. And all those that live godly shall, shall suffer these things. The scripture proclaims it. Are you with me? And see, this is the thing. God doesn't want us to hide from trouble. We don't have to hide from trouble. And guess what? And He don't want us to lie about it either. You don't have to lie when you are in trouble. And I'm not talking about trouble. You going to jail some something you did. That's just more trouble. I'm talking about troubled things in your life. Just troubled. Are you with me? But God wants us to live. In this system, where every every person, every or, or every just, just everyday people are trouble, just like us. But the difference, there is the difference, is that we should not be distressed because we have the answer. Well, the one reason why we shouldn't be distressed is because 
We have it in our earthen vessels. <laughs> he just told us that. He said, now, you're going to go through the same troubles that are those that are without. But you have a treasure in that earthen vessel. So when your trouble comes, you don't get distressed. You know who to call on. Why? Because it's in this earthen vessel. That, that shows us the difference. So when you're troubled on every side, I'm not distressed. Why? Because people need to see a light in me that illuminates you've been blinded. That's how people can look at you and say, how, you can, how can you do that? It illuminates them. They were blind. I can do that too. Oh my God, how did you do it? Then you can share the light. Somebody's going to see that light and say, I went through that and I broke down. I could not handle it. I, I mean, my God, I lost my job. I had a nervous breakdown where you run with the same person, had the same pay, the same job. And, and they, why are they like that? They act like they must have a savings or something. Because why are they like that? And then go ask them. How are you not distressed in this? Opportunity to share the light. See, when you're perplexed, God wants you to trust the helper on the inside. He didn't give the Holy Spirit for play. God said, trust the helper on the inside. Why? Because he's a teacher. He's a reminder. He's going to show you things before it happens. Trust it. He's going he's to help you when you don't know how to pray. And show you how you ought to pray. You, God said, I need, to, I need my people to start trusting Him that's on the inside. So when somebody sees us going through something that is hard, for them to wrap their minds around, but you're not in despair, why? Because the greater one lives on the inside of you. That becomes light. Everybody around you. It becomes light. It becomes hope to everyone around you. Why? Because they're perplexed and in despair. When you're persecuted. But you know, through persecution, you're not forsaken. We are light. We gotta be that light. We see those that are persecuted and they feel forsaken. I didn't know where God was in it. I didn't know what to say about this. You know, there's so many people in the world right now that feels forsaken. Just in the dispensation that we're in and what's happening in the world and what's happening in our country, what's happening in our state, and they just feel forsaken. Some feel like they have no one. Some feel like no one loves them. At this particular time, no one cares about them. Someone has lost a loved one and just feels like nobody cares about me anymore. And that's easy to do when you have someone loved you so much, you could easily think, yeah, but nobody's ever going to love me like that. 
amazing. Listen, we are more connected than we've ever been. <laughs> I get it. I know. We're more connected than we've ever been and we're more isolated than we've ever been. And when people see that you're connected to something that you can't connect, you know, uh, that they can't connect through themselves, and they're like, what, what, is, what is he doing? What is she doing? What, what is it? And they find out, I can't get that same connection by a phone call. I'm just calling, and I'm trying to get in touch with so-and-so and so or um, cellular system or something just, you know, going on. You can't Google this. But when they find out that you have a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother and that he's dwelling down on the inside, it becomes light in the darkness. It shines and expels the darkness. And too often Christians we see are caught up in what, you know, what they're going through. And they forget. They just forget who they represent. Whatever you go through, you still got to never forget who you represent. We all are going to go through something. Live long enough, I promise you, you will. But in the midst of it, you cannot forget who you represent. We don't represent ourselves. We're going to get cast down. You're going to take some blows. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you before it happens. Not because I'm giving you a prophetic word. It's in the Scriptures. You're going to be cast down. You're going to take blows. You can't live in this world without taking a just a just a good punch or a good shot in the gut. It's gonna happen. Every now and then you will something that'll bring you to your knees. Something that's just gonna take the wind right out of you, right out of your cell. You'll be like, Oh my God. It's like sailing on a breezy day and the sail just drops down. And you just float. But in the midst of it, you're not destroyed. Why? <laughs> because there's someone on the inside. That's what gets you back up. Someone on the inside sustaining you. And that becomes a light to someone. That becomes a light. Now, if I'm not in the world, that's why I told you God is sending us out. If I'm not in the world showing that, no one can see the light. I've got to be in the world for someone to see that. Now, 
I didn't say if you were not, you know, in, you know, doing sin or evil. No. Just not in the world. You gotta be in the world for them to see it. Not of it, just in it. That's why Jesus sent us into the world. Now listen. Here we go. Listen carefully. Listen attentively. Very attentively. Morality is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. Now when I say that, even to the believer, it sounds funny. Because we think morality and good morals is godly. We think morality is good. Morality has to be good, Pastor. You, it, it has to be. That person, now, let me tell you, they, they've done a lot of wrong, but they got really good morals. You know what, they're, they're, you know what, you know, they do this, but you know what, they're a good person. I mean, all of us have said that about a person. But they, you know what, they really are a good person. But I want you to know that is the moral thing to do. Because we think of morality inherently as something good. And I'm telling you right here, right now, bold face, before your face, that morality is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. Now, sinner or saint, I'm talking to both. Because saints think the same way, and I'm going to prove it out to you in this teaching. You're gonna, I'm going to say some things that you've said before, because you thought morality was good. It's one of the things we struggle with as Christians, is that we... We're trying to live based on morality. That's so sad. But, but, but it really is. We're trying to live based on morality. Listen, and we are positioning ourselves in a way that's opposed to God. Because we're trying to live that way. We're trying to live our life based, based on morality. And it is opposed to God. You know why it's opposed to God? Because morality is opposed to righteousness. That's why it's opposed to God. See, a lot of times we as Christians, we think that morality and righteousness is the same thing, and they're not. Know that they're not. I'm telling you, they're not. Good morals is not the same thing as righteousness. I said again, righteousness and morality is not the same thing. It's a trap. Now remember, that which is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God is under the influence of the adversary. Well, the original deception was that you could be like God, remember? You can be like God. You can have the knowledge of good and evil just like Him. 
The rent, listen, that was, I'm telling you, that was, that was a moral play the devil played that day. That was a moral play. That was a good play. He knew where to get them. Hmm. You know, when I think of that, I was like, you know what, God, that was the original deception was a moral play. It was a moral play. I'm showing you how it is opposed to God. That was a good play. Got us where we are today. Let me tell you, it was such a good play. It, it had lasted from the time that it was taken all the way up to now. Thousands of years. Go on and do, you, don't, you don't have to do what God says. All you're going to do is know the difference between right and wrong for yourself. God don't have to even tell you that no more. You, see, you're just going to be like him. It's not that. And once you have the knowledge of good and evil, then you be like God. And you know what you can do. You know what? You can set it up any way you want to. See, I can hear it. You can do what you want to because now you know. He don't have to tell you anymore. You set it up the way you want to do it, the way you want to do it. How you want to do it, how you ought to do it will be all in your hands. Good moral play. And guess what? And the adversary been using that same play ever since. Still using it. When you talk to young people, I'm telling you, young people, and for me, young, young people is 45 down. For me. Let Layla tell you, 20, they're getting old, madam. But yeah, but listen, listen, you young people, uh, listen, you try to talk to young people, Lord, we be trying to help them. So, so it, you know, mm, I'm not going to say that because then I'll lose you. You know, sometimes it's not good to say everything in your head. But anyway, you, you talk to young people that's not living right, and you know they're not living right. And guess what they come back with you with? They give you moral explanations for unrighteous conduct. See, they'll give you moral explanation for unrighteous conduct. And guess what? And they've been sitting right here in the church. And they base, listen, so you'll recognize it. And they base their behavior out of morality, not based out of the Bible. Notice it. They're going to base it out of that. You try to minister to them. Okay, I, you, you don't need to be doing that. Oh, but, you know, everything is good. And, yeah, you know, we're going we gonna to get married anyway. And, yeah, you know, I, you, no, I'm going to go on and on. I'm going to buy that car. I know I can't really afford it right now, but I'm going to stop this. I'm, you trying to, they're going to base it on morality. You tell a young person, 
let's just say a young man. You say, okay, I understand you, you, you in love or in lust or whatever it is with, with this girl or woman or whatever. And I'm just telling you right now, now is not the time for you. Ah, I think they're virtuous right now. See, it's all based on morality, not the scriptures. And see, they think it's good. Oh, but he's really nice to me. He bought me this. He bought me, yeah, but this, it's not for you right now. Right now, God wants to do something with, well, I don't, well, yeah, I know, but can he do it with us? And what did I tell you in, a, in another teaching? Honey, once you get married, don't tell me all this stuff about you getting all into the world like that. It, the, let me tell you, you got too many other things going. You can't. That's a, that's a moral deal, too. I'm really into my Bible. And you say, well, what did Zephaniah say to who? You ain't in it that much. You can't. And then throw children in it. Now you're reading the children's Bible. And Noah bought two by two. We studied the word today. That's just by where you are. Now you're in the children's Bible. Katie did, and the big Bible, that thing is crispy, pages stuck together. Uh, we, we, yeah, we did Bible study today. But when you were trying to tell them, they kept giving you moral deals. You would tell them, don't take that job, because you're not desperate right now. You don't have to. Did you pray about it? Oh, yeah, but it's going to pay this much money. It's going to pay. But moral things. They're not hearing that God is their source. <laughs> I know, go on and laugh. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you, you, you know, laugh at yourself. Look in the mirror and call your own self stupid. For just not listening to God. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with where you are right now. You love your children. You love your, your spouse. You love your job. You're doing all of that. But if you go back and look at this, you based it all on morality, not the Word of God. Those that was in the Word of God that was ministered to you, you didn't want to hear that. I want to base it on morality. But notice, morality won't keep it. And I'm going to show you why it doesn't. Amen? The adversary had been using this same play. I'm telling you, when you talk to young people and they're not living right, they give you those moral explanations for unrighteous conduct, moral explanation for unrighteous conduct, and they've been sitting in church all the time. And they will justify their behavior based on morality, not based on the Bible. And when you hear parents justify children's behavior, notice how they do. They don't base it out of Scripture as well. They justify their behavior based on morality. On morality. That's what they do. There's a lot of people in church who justify the position that have taken 
based on just a, listen, just based on moral standards. But the place where they are is opposed to the will of God. But they feel comfortable coming to church. You feel comfortable streaming every week. Because they feel like they have the knowledge of good and evil. Because why? I'm listening to it. I'm coming to church. So I know. Oh, y'all just don't know. I've been in this since we were little children. We don't know. You know nothing. That's another moral thing. And they've determined that there is a good... And it's different when the evil comes into play. I'll say it again. They have determined that there is is a good in what they've done. Therefore, it's not evil. It's good what I did. Even though the Bible says that is not. You hear parents talking about grown children's conduct in moral terms. Well, at least they're taking responsibility. That's a moral term. Well, they're taking responsibility. Oh, that, that's a statement of morality. It's not a statement of righteousness. They're living together, but at least they, you know, they're working in, you know, they're working on getting married. That's a statement of morality, not a statement of righteousness. Well, I know. I know they're not right, but, you know, whenever I have, you know, something going on, you know, they all, I can always count on them. I can, they, I can count on them to come over and help me. That's a statement of morality, not a statement of righteousness. See, you're making those statements of morality. Did you hear me? But yet, you ask them. You hear them make those statements. You ask them. You ask that person, are you a believer? And they will say in a heartbeat, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You, and you say, you're a Christian. <laughs> you know, just people you talk to me. You believe God's word. So how do you explain this then? And whatever they're going through, they're going to explain it with a moral term. I'm showing you where morality is different from righteousness. You'll find out that they won't use righteous terms. You use them. They don't. It's like a baby shower for a single Mother, moral. This is moral. Well, yeah, they single and they know, but you know they trying to get it right, and you don't want to punish the baby. Well, first of all, the baby's not born first, and throwing a party for the mother is not rewarding the baby. 
And if the baby needs supplies, you can give that to them without gift wrapping. Simplicity. Yeah, the thing is, I don't want this child to suffer because of choices of the parents. Listen, I can buy an outfit without cake, punch, balloons, and streamers. No problem. But see, we use the morality, those moral things. They're trying to get it right. Oh, yeah, let's just go. That's not righteousness. Morality. Oh, we can go on and give them a this, that, never. Let me tell you, I'm not gonna know. Listen, that's a moral determination that they do, not a righteous one. It's okay. I know that disturbed a lot of you out there, but we get there. Hold on. We sinning, but we love each other. And especially those, you know, you know, and, 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 and what gets me is it tickles me, those that think they got away because they didn't get pregnant. You've been sinning on, a, on the regular. But we love each other. That's my best friend. That's a moral determination. When the Bible says, stop, touch not. Oh, well, you know, yeah, but that was written a long time ago. That's a moral determination. Back to the morality. Now, if you can accept the fact that there's a difference between morality and righteousness, then we're ready to go to the next definition. But we're not through with morality. But we're going to go to the next definition. I want you to write it down. The world is the spirit of the age. You know what? I started to name this, this series the spirit of the age. Now go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. The world is the spirit of the age. Write this down. The spirit of the age is how the world system is manifested in this dispensation of time. I'll say it again. The spirit of this age is how the world system is manifested in this, in any, well, let me just say in a dispensation of time. Because not, it's in this dispensation, but in every dispensation this is what this is. I'll say it again so you can write it down. The spirit of the age is how the world is manifested in a dispensation of time. Now we understand and we know that the world system is under the influence of the adversary. So now the spirit of the age is how the world system is manifested in a dispensation of time. Because how the world system is manifested changes from time to time. Did you hear me? The manifestation changes, of this world system changes from time to time. But yet, it's still the same system. Ooh, 
seem like I double talk myself, but hold tight. I said that the world system is manifested. It changes from time to time, but it's still the same system with the same intent and the same goal, but it evolves and changes over time. That's why we say things are different now. Now, the spirit of the age is based on the current state of morality. (laughs) That's what it's based on. That's how everything is going on in this country. That's how laws get passed. But the common state, the current state, I'm sorry, of morality. And we know and we've learned now that morality is hostile, rebellious. And oppose to God. Are you in Ephesians chapter 2? Beginning at verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who was dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all, everybody say all, so please don't act holy. He just told you you are among that that all. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, anything you can think of, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, always get excited when you see in the scripture, but God, there's hope when you see that. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made alive to us and, to, and put us together with Christ by grace are you saved. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Remember, we talk about the spirit of the age. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding Riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Boy, do I love that. I'm like, God, what a merciful God. That's a lot. There's a lot in that. That'll teach for a year. That's a lot right there. Now, remember I told you the spirit of this age is how the world manifests in a dispensation of time. Look at verse 2. When in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, (laughs) see, some of us have been saved a long time. And thank God for it. I've been saved a long time. We've been saved a long time. But we have to remember there's others that maybe been saved a week or a month. Or two months. Or a year. 
And you may feel like, mm-hmm, I don't know, you know, I need to put somewhere. I don't know how to relate to them. Because, you know, I'm, mm, I'm going to help you. You know, sometimes we like, yeah, but I was trying to explain to them, but you know, they're a baby in Christ, and you are too. But you know, you, you know, you, you're just a toddler, and they just an infant, but you're still a babe. But you like, I, you know, I just can't quite, you know, oh, it's, it's hard to get through to them. <laughs> I like what verse two said. Two said it said, "Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world." According to the prince and the power of the air. The spirit that now working in the children of disobedience. Before you were saved, you walked in the spirit of the age that was manifested. Before you were saved. Let's go back there. Sometimes, you know, when you're teaching like that, I know we would have to get in the past and press toward tomorrow. But we're teaching something. Let's go back. Let's go back. We can go back. When we walked according to the course of this world. Choices that we made that have framed our lives. Let's go back there for a sec. When you were out there. See, in time past, in whatever state. See, you might have been in a dispensation where you listen to 8 tracks. I might be dating myself, but that's okay. That was a di- that was my dispensation. That maybe you listen to an LP, an album. Some of you may listen to 45s, and some of you out there might say, "What is a 45?" But see, it was a dispensation. It was a time. Some of you may was sitting on the dock of the bay. In the summertime. Uh, yeah, yeah, I missed a bunch of y'all on that. Yeah, I say like, what, summertime? That, don't worry about it. I know it because that was my dispensation. Ooh, Lord, she's old. Well, yeah. But, some see, those were dispensations of times. But I was out there. <laughs> But wherever you were, you were out there. And it was according to the course of this world. Listen, it was according to the course of this world. And it had a curriculum of destruction. According to the prince and the power of the air. In other words, in time past, we were under the influence of this system. Whether you knew it or not. Don't play no games with me. You were under the influence of this system. I like the latter part too. It says, of of verse 2, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, listen. Please listen carefully. I'm going to read that last part again. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, what was in you is now in those who are now disobedient to God. Those that are disobeying to God, it was once in you. 
Those that you see that are hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God today, that was you yesterday. I know, I know you don't want to hear it, but remember we went, we're going back there for a moment. Because see, we're so holy now, we don't remember all of the rebellions that you see in disobedience now. You, it was once you. And who you think I'm going to believe? All it is now, it's a different dispensation. But it's the same spirit. The same spirit that was in you when you were sleeping outside of marriage, when you were going to the club, when you were drinking. Look, the same spirit when they were drinking Jack Daniels is the same spirit for e-cigarettes today. See, it's the same. Just different dispensation, different spans of time. But it's the same. Same thing. Clubbing. Same spirit. Look at verse 3. And among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and whereby the nature, the, uh, and whereby nature the children of wrath, even as others. We have all been in a lifestyle that was wrong. Hopefully in time, it's, for you it's in time past. But we were all there. Now we may not all have done the same thing, but don't try to make what you did clean. Huh, I've never been to a club. Why are you opening your legs? Same thing. I never got high before. Yeah, where you stealing? Where you cheating? Same thing. Same spirit. Where you lying? Same spirit. Different dispensation. We all had our lifestyles that way. See, but we thought we were good. But the Bible say we were children of wrath. Every one of us. And only Jesus got us out of it. He got us out of it. This is critical. Look at verse 7. That in ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. See, in time past, you were on the course. You were, I'm telling you, you were in the course of this world. You were on it. Then he saved you. So that in times to come, for in times to come, see, in the past, you and me, we were in sin. We were called children of disobedience. We were fulfilling the lust of our flesh and our minds. You would think that's the same thing. He said, no, your flesh and your mind. 
But then by grace, he saves you and me. So that in times to come, even though in the past you was in the world, I was in the world, you were sinning, I was sinning, then he saved you and me so that in times to come, I keep saying that for a reason, So, right here he said he did all that in time to come. But listen, so how can you say, I can't witness, or I can't understand what they're going through? Because times have changed. Because he saved you for times to come. He said, I'm, I'm saving you now for times to come. Well, for another dispensation. See, that throws away our... Our excuse, people, it's different now. Everything. No, no, he said, I saved you for times to come. I knew you were going to be around. So I can't say I can't relate. Because he saved me so I could relate. I can't say I just don't understand people today. Because he saved me to be a witness to people today. Because it was for times to come. Oh, how good He is to save us. In time past, when we walked according to this world, He said, no, but I'm saving you for times to come. I can't say I've been saved so long and now I'm, you know, I'm old and the young people today, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to listen to me. He saved you for ages to come. He said it in his word. I saved you for the ages that were to come. That's why God, that's why God don't need no tricks, no gimmicks, no nothing. His word transcends dispensations and time. He said, I saved you for times to come, ages to come, so that you could be a light for ages to come. In other words, when there's a new spirit of the age, he saved me out of the last spirit of the age. See, when he saved you, that was a spirit of the age. That was a, that was a dispensation. That was a spirit of the age. And he saved you in it. He said, and I'm saving you in this one now for ages to come. Something is coming. I'm going to need you to be on point. I'm going to put it to you this way. I'm in my 60s. And God has given this church an assignment to restore this next generation. I'm not in this next generation. I'm beyond this next generation. I'm talking about chronologically. I'm not talking about I'm so I'm just saying chronologically. I am. But I was in sin. When I was in this, this generation age that I was in. 
But God quickened me and made me alive, delivered me out of darkness, transformed me and brought me into his marvelous light so that in ages to come. That's why I can minister to anybody. So listen, God didn't save you so you couldn't understand how to witness in this age that have now come. God saved you so that you could be clean enough to be a witness in this age. So now you can start to see yourself differently than all these imaginations and hurdles that's in your head that made, you know, that made you the made up in your mind that, you know, that you, that you can't do. You can. You got to get rid of those those things. They'll start fading away when you see who you are. That those those things that say, you know, I, I can't relate. I don't understand. I don't know why they won't listen. Everything is different. All of that'll go away. The world has changed. Yes, it's changed. It's another dispensation, but it's the same spirit, and God saved you for it. And God knew it was going to change. But look at how much he loved you. He saved you in your time so that in the time to come, you would be a witness. I love, I love verse 7. That in ages to come. Oh, you need to highlight that. In ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. In other words, God wants to use those of us that got saved in a previous dispensation to a big example to show those in this dispensation how good He is. God says, show them how good I am. Remember how I saved you. Show them how good I am. How merciful He is. Think of what you used to do, how you used to do it, how you used to think. It was his mercy. He's merciful. Giving hope to those that were still in the spirit of the age. Hmm. So listen, if I'm going to understand the spirit of the age, I'm going to have to understand morality is hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. Let me give you some statements slash definitions of morality. And we're going to see how they sound, and then we're going to line them up with truth. We're going to line them up with truth. Morality, write it down. Morality is a standard of man. And because it's the standard of man, it is always changing. Morality is a standard of man. And because it is the standard of man, it's always changing. But righteousness never changes. Righteousness never changes. So, a standard that is set by man today is okay. Tomorrow it isn't. Okay, because it's not righteousness. It's hostile, rebellious, and opposed to God. Because why? Because God doesn't change. 
See, there's a lot of things that we accept because we live morally. We have to stop. A lot of things we accept because we live morally that God does not accept. God doesn't accept those things that we do because we are thinking morally. Why doesn't God accept it? Because God only deals with righteousness. He only deals with righteousness. Morality is the practice of the conduct of man in relationship to man. Let me put it this way. Morality is the practice of conduct of mankind in relation to mankind. Now listen, that sounds good. In other words, how I treat you is morality. My relationship, man with man. And most Christians say, amen. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The practice of conduct. How I treat you. Listen, how I treat you is morality. Well, that's pretty good, right? That shouldn't be opposed to God. Hmm. Well, the Bible says that my practice of conduct, conduct as it relates to you should be in a relationship to God, not in a relationship to you. See, i got to go through God with my relationship with you because if it's just me and you, I'm going to change. But God, if I go through it with God, I'll say it again. See, you have to catch this. you got to catch this. Because, see, when I say that, you know, uh, uh, the contact between mankind and mankind, our relationship is how we should treat each other from man to man, it sounds good. It sounds moral. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that my practice of conduct as it relates to mankind should be in relationship to God, not in a relationship with you. Morality says I should treat you based on what I think is right. See, that's what you do. You be like, oh yeah, well, okay, I, I can dig it. And you treat me based on what you think is right. That's a moral standard. But God says, no, you should treat people based on how I have commanded you. Takes it from morality to righteousness. God says you should treat people out of your relationship with me. The Bible, the, the Bible says... Work as unto the Lord. Treat your spouse as unto the Lord. Serve one another as unto the Lord. It is not the practice of conduct mankind to mankind. No, it is the practice of conduct of my relationship with God. Listen, listen. Now this is going to throw you for a loop, but hold tight. You should treat Man, as if they were God. Come on, well, ain't nobody God. I ain't treating nobody. Well, let, 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 me, let me reword that for you. I, I thought that would throw you for a loop, but it's scriptural. You should treat men as if they were God. In other words, 
The same way I would treat God if He was in this room, I suppose, to treat you that way. That's all I'm saying. The same way I would treat God if He was in here, I should treat you that way. See, that's treating you like God. I'll say it again. The same way I treat God is the way I should treat you. <laughs> I don't know. Can you give me some scriptures there? Uh, when did you see me naked and clothed me? When did you see me hungry and you fed me? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Solid. Husbands, you should treat your wives as Christ treats the church. Different standard. See, it's moral to even pay people back. But the Bible says, love your enemies. See, we'd be like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, that's okay, but this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. Mur- the, see, that, so I'm telling you, a lot of Christians operate in morals instead of righteousness. God said, no, you're thinking about a way to get them back. And I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. You're like, oh, Lord. I'm telling you to love your enemies. I'm telling you to do good to those who persecute you. Do I have to turn the other cheek? Well, if you want to be righteous. See, the world tells us counterpunch. They hit first. Counterpunch. <laughs> and we as Christians, we voted the counterpunch in. Yes. Jesus didn't let nobody mess around with him. We don't have to let nobody. See, we can do all of that, all those moral things. There is a difference between morality and righteousness. Know that. Righteousness tries to make peace. Listen, morality says it's all right to make war if it means to justify the end. See, there's the difference. See, you've got to see the difference. Righteous, I'll say it again. Righteousness, everybody say righteousness, always tries to make peace. Morality says it's all right to make war if it means to justify the end. Now, this translates in every aspect of life. Morality is proven. Listen, now this is good. Morality is proven and established by argument. Now listen, I've been to college. Listen to me. Everyone that have been to college and have sat in a philosophy class or a psychology class, a sociology class, you and, and when you argue, you argue morality. They're, what they'll do is, I've been to college. Yeah, I know how it works. What they do is they throw up a hypothetical situation, divide people up, whatever side it, the, the, each person's on or whatever, and you take sides, and you give an argument. Am I right? 
And guess what? And you argue it out until you got to the moral position. That's what you do. It's not righteous. Are you getting this? You can't have a college degree and didn't take one of those kind of classes. All of you degree people. You should have been able to say, yes, I get, I, yeah, I remember that. And let me tell you, some of you got into it so much, you start believing that crap. And you try to bring it into Christendom. That's why you're always questioning stuff with all that moral thinking. Because then you let them, you let the institution influence you more than the Word of God. And you went in as a Christian. And changed. Because of those classes. And it's simply morality and it ain't nothing but an argument. It's argument. All the truth was a subject. You wrote papers on it, dissertations on it, all kinds of stuff. You did. Trying to argue the moral good of what was right. They wanted you to do that, and you did it. And guess what? Notice, the morality was always set by whoever won the argument. That was it. That's what they had them little debate teams for, right? Whoever wanted, that's it. Morality. By argument. God said, my word is truth. And it's not up for argument or debate. Not at all. It's already established, ordered, and framed. It's already established, ordered, and framed. You can't go in changing none of that. Morality is a result of intellectual. And oh, let me tell you, the intellectual activity of men. Now you have to understand all of this because this influence everything about you. This influences how you live. In other words, the wisdom of man. Listen, if man think of, I, I want you to. I was listening to the minister this morning, and I and, and I was like, God, you know what? You know how to connect it. Because when I was writing this down, I just started laughing. Listen, if man think about it long enough, listen, man will make nonsense make sense. They will make nonsense make sense. They just keep talking. Biology, they'll teach you in class. They'll, I mean, they'll have it all down. They'll teach you in class how a child is conceived. Teach it all the way down. And then, through argument, through intellectual activity, I'm smart, they'll tell that same, they'll, they'll tell a family that they don't need the two genders that conceived the child. Same deal. Same one. Nonsense. Just nonsense. But they keep talking till it makes sense. The dummies. They will make nonsense make sense. And we want to believe it because they have degrees behind their names. They got letters behind their names. They drive a certain thing. They live a certain They gotta know. They'll make nonsense make sense. 
man, I tell you, that, you know, that, you know, we've evolved into a higher state. You know, that's been going on. People have been saying that crap. All this, all this is moral stuff. We've evolved, you know, to a state of understanding. But yet now they're arguing ourselves. We're arguing in such a way that now, yeah, we've evolved. But now we're going into extinction. Nonsense. They go from one end to the other. Just nonsense. And because they have degrees and because they're talking, they got to know. We're going into this extinction. And then they'll turn right around, right around, and tell you, you know, we, 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 you need to understand, especially in science classes, we got to understand this principle. You know, we're evolution. You know, we are, we're evolving. We're evolving. And they, but then they, the first thing they tell you is that evolution is self-preservation. Preserve. See, they go from, I'll tell you, they make nonsense, make sense. You be like, you get to reading all this. Let me tell you, you be like, you start Googling stuff, you be like, you know what? I keep reading this, this nonsense. They keep talking and talking, and they, get, they say enough words to just try to make it make sense. But when you load it with the Word of God, it just seems like nonsense. Now, how can the first. Uh, principle of evolution be self-preservation and that same, the same, at the same time we've condoned institutions that says preservation. That's, that's impossible. We're coming to extinction. And then we get somebody else with a PhD up and they're going to talk about it. Surely they know. Now that's just nonsense. And they just keep going until it makes sense. That's called intellectual activity of the mind. How is it, just, just think on it. See, I'm going to show you how nonsense it is. How can man choose one substance that impairs you, listen, and make it legal, and then pick another substance that do the same thing and make it legal. You know they do that. This is illegal. But then you get a doctor's prescription for it. It's legal. Why is it that one thing have a warning on that will kill you, but you can buy it? Another thing say that it will kill you, but you can't. No, that'll kill you. That's illegal to do. But cigarettes say these will kill you too. Buy as many as you want. Nonsense. And then they tell you who said it. The Attorney General. He got education. He really knows. Take nonsense. Keep talking. Make it make sense. And they have enough sense to know if we keep talking long enough for these idiots to believe it. That's why you need to know the Word of God. Where you can filter it through the Word of God and say, now that's nonsense. That's nonsense. This is a good one. 
especially for you out there. How is it that you can have a child 16 years old? Listen. And they can date. But if they have sex, it's rape. But you let what? But you let them nonsense. Nonsense, just nonsense. You let them date, and then they have sex, and now you go, I'm a foul charger. You, you let them go out and date, and the 16 year old know about as much as a thumbtack, and you let them go out and date, and then they have sex, and you, I'm trialing charges. Boy or girl. Something happens out there. Pressing charges. Nonsense. I looked it up. You won't find any psychologist, listen, any professional, any therapist, any, uh, I'm going to tell you, anybody. You won't find anyone, Google it and see, anyone that will tell you that it's a good idea for children to have a phone. You won't find it. Listen, because I'm going to show you how nonsense they are. You look on there and you start Googling and everybody says it's not good. Psychologists, sociologists, all of them, no. Professional child therapists, no. They don't need a phone because it's not good for them. But then they say, but if you get them one, just make sure you keep tabs on it. Nonsense. Just nonsense. Just make sure you monitor it. Every single study. Again, you don't have to believe me. Google it. Every single study. You will find, they tell you across every spectrum, that a child with a phone, it hurts the child. You're not going to find it. It's not going to be. You ain't going to find it contrary to that. I already looked. <sighs> and then the same world that you live in today, it tells you. It, listen, show you this nonsense. And after all of that, and all of the psychologists and all the people that they love so much to tell you all this, then they come right back and tell you, but you gotta have one. You, they need one. Because I need to know where you are at all times. You, you gotta have one. In this day and time, you have to have them. Everybody say nonsense, and they'll keep on until it makes sense. They'll keep on until it makes sense. But you've got to filter it. Now, this one will really get you, last but not least. Write it down. Morality respects the conduct of men of each person's rights. See, that sounds good, too. Yes, you know, I respect each person's right. You know, I, and, and I've, heard, I've heard Christians say, you know, you know what, I was going to give them my idea. You know, I respect what they believe. I don't. But, oh, I'm sorry. Let me just stay right here. Listen, morality respects the conduct of man, uh, the, uh, the conduct of man and each person's right. It sounds good. 
Well, yeah, to each his own, you know. I'm going to do me. You do you. That's it. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you want to do it that way? Morality accepts the conduct of man and each person's right. Here we go. Here we go. Listen up. Listen good. Morality accepts the conduct of man and each person's right. Listen. Except when that person's conduct is Christian. Now there's a difference. Except when their conduct is Christian. They respect everybody's right. Except when you come you have a conduct of Christian. Now listen, it's considered hateful talk to talk about sin. But it's not considered hateful talk to talk about those who believe in righteousness. It's okay to do that. But if you start talking about sin and you start talking about, oh, then, then, yeah, that's hate talk. You don't have no right to do that. And then somebody say, oh, no, they can't be sitting in here talking about God. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. See, when it comes to Christians, it's totally different. We talk about morality. In other words, when people criticize Christians for believing God's word, no one says that's hateful. They have a right to believe what they want to believe. But when Christians say, "This is what I believe on the of the word of God," they say, "Now you can't be putting that on people." Mm-mm. 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 Now, people can criticize Christians for believing it. But when they say, no, this is what I believe based on this. Oh, no. They say that's hateful and judgment. Now you're being judgmental. People ought to live the way they want to live. Don't come putting no judging stuff on me. And you can talk about Sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, any of that, everything. And they, oh, uh, 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 no, you are out of order and out of line. You can keep that to yourself. That is hateful deal. And you say, you know what, I love the Lord. Uh-uh, no. Did she come in here? Uh-uh. That's not what we do here. Not the Christian thing. They come in and start judging you. That's why we can't live the way we want to live. Because we need to get out of this morality and live the way God has called us to. I, I, I ask myself, why is it, if, why is it just righteousness that's discriminatory. It's just righteousness. People don't like that. No, they don't like that. They'll find a way. Notice, sin is not even discriminatory. It is not. But righteousness is. Sin is okay. You know why? Because morality is hostile. Rebellious. It's just all opposed to God. 
That's why they can easily do that. That's why they can easily, when they see you coming, and they be like, well, we ain't letting, we, no, 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 we ain't letting them talk about it. Now, they can get up and they can hold whole symposiums of, of homosexuality or, or whatever they want to, not just homosexuality, anything, anything that's worldly and anything, and it's fine. And, it's, and then they say, well, we're going to have a Christian one. Oh, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But you know what? That's a good enemy. He got them so, and, and, and I'm not talking about people that just, just out and out that they live in the city. These are people that just morally, that you think are morally good. But they don't want to hear that. They're like, uh, uh, well, yeah, well, you know, you all can come, but let's just keep it, you know, not to, you know, we don't want to bring that, you know, just, in other words, just talk about some moral things, but don't be bringing Jesus up and all that. I don't need to come. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not compromising God's word. Find a way to say it without using His name. What the? And guess what? We we go and do it. And I pray you. I thank you, Father, for it in His name. I'm gonna make sure I don't say it because it's gonna offend. But Father, we can stand here and with all the those that I mean have made the decision that you know that it doesn't matter what your gender is, and you know that's your prerogative, and that's you know that's what you want to do. It God is okay with it, and you're fine because you know if a male want to be with a male, it's nothing because it's just, and they're hallelujah. Now that's a good that that was a wonderful nobody nobody rejected. And I'm talking about morally people that we call morally good sitting up in it. But let a Christian get up there and say, oh no, that's wrong. There's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. Either you come out or in. There's no such thing. Oh, they're judgmental. They need to come down. We can't put them up. They're going to judge us. Why? There's a difference between morality and righteousness. I'm not, let me tell you. You can't give me an honorarium big enough for me to get up and lie to you like that. Oh, well, we give a $10,000 honorarium, but we're going to need you not to mention that. You can take that little $10,000. I'll spend that in a blink of an eye. That, that, you take that and stuff it. I'm going to do what God says do. I know the difference between righteousness and morality. But somebody said, you know what, I, well, you know, I just did it for the money. That's not even what I believe. No, but you affected someone with that. Somebody heard that. I don't live for myself. I live that others can draw from me. And they see me up here saying this and doing that. I'm like, what the, uh-uh. They'd be like, well, how in the heck am I going to follow you? And you, you know, uh-uh. You know, just long as you, and, and you know, I know what you're talking about. So, you know, we're sisters in the Lord, but everybody's not the same. So we just play along. And I'm like, no, we won't. No, we won't play along at all. No, you just have to just go right back with, no. You mean you're going to turn that only because you can't say the name Jesus? Yes. My treasure's not here on earth. My treasure is in heaven. And guess what? You just got it running over for rejecting me. Because all I did was gain more treasure in heaven. But I will not do that. 
basically, I will not get up and do nonsense until I make it make sense. Because you just keep talking. I'm telling you, if people can make, moral people can make nonsense make sense. And I've been out of time, but I want you to get that. Grab it. Don't let it go. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, God has you in every way. God, let me, you're going to always have an opportunity to stand for what's right. Stand for what God said. Grow, mature. Find out, okay, I'm, I've grown. I've matured out of that. I mean, my God, over the years you have to have matured about something. You can't be still foolish about the same things you were foolish about. But God is faithful. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.